This is Soccer Better, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. We're Liz and Laura Ellen. Between the two of us, we have way too many years of graduate education to be helpful. We decided to journey into the world of critical thinking and the analytical side of all things soccer. Join us as we discover how we can all soccer better. All right, we are back with Soccer Better. Liz, are you ready for another episode? You you threw a lot of stats at me this time, some big stats words. I am not a stats fan, so sure. You it's can ex- fine. You can explain that part, right? Yes, yes. I, I will explain the stats um, <laughs> just because they use big words that sound super fancy does not mean it is super fancy, I promise. They make sense individually, but when you put them all together like that... <laughs> I went and got a beer. Like, that was my answer. (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, let's dig right into this. So, uh, this episode's article is entitled, Effects of Participation in School Sports on Academic and Social Functioning. It was published in 2016 in the Journal of Applied Developmental Psychology by Martin Van Bogle. All right. So this study occurred, um, or the research was done at the University of Minnesota. Uh, The data that they collect, or well, they didn't collect it, that was collected was done in the state of Minnesota, um, and we'll dig into that a little bit. Uh, But the overarching premise here is that physical activity is important, and physical activity is important for academic achievement and social functioning, um, and participation in sports Uh, should then also have um, an effect on academic achievement and social functioning. Specifically school-sponsored sports. So not like intramurals or stuff that you did on your own after school. Like stuff that was sponsored by the school. He made sure to say a lot in this article. Um, That's right. So, I mean, I don't think that he is wrong. Um, I I have two issues with that are going to keep me from staying on track with this article. So you will get a lot of Liz opinions and how can we use this to be better. I mean, like, it does lead me to talk about how we can soccer better. Here are my two issues. Um, it is all Minnesota data. And so when they talk about the statistics for the student um, body and the makeup of the student body, it is incredibly white. Um, they don't talk about the breakdown of... Uh, a lot about you know which students needed financial assistance or how that compares to like an inner city so I think that's a you know like I just think there are a lot of differences compared to where I can get involved so like it takes me out of this a little bit and then also like I know why the things that they're saying are true but I immediately want to get off track and not talk about the article anymore I want to talk about well, what can we do for kids who aren't involved in the organized sports that is sponsored by the schools and how can we replicate that um that finding for those students in their space so i get very off track very quickly okay what about you well i i also have a lot of thoughts i took many many notes you will hear my pages um uh rustling um so what but why don't we take a step back and first try and understand what these researchers were trying to look at so they were looking at a couple different factors um to see if um participation in school sports affected these things and so the outcomes that they were looking at were perceived family support perceived teacher and community support 
and perceived school safety. Now we can have a long conversation about are those those outcomes and academic achievement was the last one. And so we can have a long conversation about if those outcomes are really the things that are important that we want to be measuring for high school students. Um, but what I will say is these, uh, the researchers used uh, data that came out of uh, the Minnesota School Survey, I believe is what it was called, but uh, the Minnesota Student Survey, excuse me, um, that is done every three years. Um, so it's the same cohort of students in sixth grade, ninth grade, and 12th grade. Right. Um, and it's done across the entire state of Minnesota. So what you're capturing there is you're capturing um, a hopefully a population level. Now it is um, optional, it is voluntary. So there will be some selection bias for people, students who choose not to participate, which they're able to do. Um, but I believe they said, yes, 71% of all students in Minnesota participated and they used the 2010 administration and they were looking at seniors, so 12th graders. And so um, I think that is important to realize that these researchers were not involved or it doesn't say they were involved anywhere, which I hope they would have disclosed that in the development or the administration of this survey. So really what they had was the set of survey questions that were asked to all students in Minnesota within these three grades in 2010. And then they had this set of data and these questions, and then they had to figure out, does the question we want to ask, you know, is um, school um, uh, academic achievement related to uh, playing school sports. Can we figure that out based on this data um, and based on this data set? So there's certainly at baseline, at, before we even start, right, there are limitations to that because they were not the ones collecting the data. They were doing what is called a secondary data analysis. Yeah. So all of this information existed and then they went into the information that already existed and did this analysis that we're gonna be talking about um, today, which it's one way to do research. Um, and, and there's nothing inherently wrong with it other than you're limited by what data has already been collected. It did lead, like I think that they understood, they have a whole section about the limitations of this and like what they would like to see further research do. And maybe it's ways to update that survey so that people can still take that uh, secondary look at the data because I think it's great that they can have something that students are used to taking used to answering I mean 71% 71% participation is really massive in research like you're not going to get that if you start a whole new survey so I think if they could build upon this and incorporate more questions to answer these other questions other analyses they want to do um, I think it'd be great if there was a partnership there I don't know if that's happened I didn't I'll be honest I didn't look into it at all um, but it's not, I do appreciate that they acknowledge their limitations and said, now that we have some of this baseline, what can we do with that to get better outcomes universally? So it was nice. Yes. Um, and so I want to spend hopefully just a brief moment here and talk about the statistics and the statistical method, because that um, is the real innovation in this paper. And we can talk about the results of the paper, but... Um, I, I have thought about this a lot and I have tried to create a way to talk about this in a way that would make sense. So is this the significant regression coefficient that you're about to 
Uh, no, I'm, oh. I'm not even I'm not even digging into that because that is like a whole other level of life that we're just not going to do right now. Okay, bring me to your level. Where are we? Uh, okay, so in an ideal world, what we are looking to understand in research is that one thing causes another thing. But the only way that we can truly say that one thing causes another thing is through a randomized controlled trial. Now, in this case, for this particular research question, to understand if participation in school sports um, leads to or causes um, academic achievement, social functioning, you would then have to randomize students to play school sports or not play school sports. Now, I think we can all, if we think about that, can understand how that's not ethical, that's not a good idea to just randomly select students. And so um, what we have here is um, an observational study, which means uh, the researchers did not randomize. And um, but what they're doing is they're attempting to use statistical strategies to get as close to a randomized controlled trial as they possibly can. And so what they did, bear with me here. I know we're nerding so far, out. So far, so good. I get it. Okay. Okay, great. So what they're doing is they're using a strategy called propensity score matching to, again, they're trying to approximate, they're trying to get as close to a randomized controlled trial as they possibly can. And so they're using this statistical method. And so what this statistical method does, and there's many different ways that, you know, within the method you can go about it, but what they did is they looked at the group of students who played school sports, which was 43% in this um, sample of students that played school sports. They looked at that group and then they looked at the group, um, the rest of them that did not play school sports. And they looked at a set of characteristics. And so they looked at um, age, they looked at gender, and they looked at um, socioeconomic status, uh, which they approximated through uh, free and reduced student lunches. And then they looked at special education status uh, and they looked at race slash ethnicity, which that's a whole other conversation about that. But anyway, so they looked at these groups. And so what they did is they looked to find students. Um, and this is an important thing. They looked within a school. So if the state of Minnesota has 100 schools, within each school, they looked to match a student who played sports based on this demographic data to find another student who did not play sports. And they looked to match them as close as they possibly could on all the demographic data. Oh, oh, OK. So much of this makes so much more sense now. Yes. So um, if within a school you have a 17 year old male who's white who played football and then you who received free and reduced student lunches and was not in special education, what you're looking for within that same school is a 17 year old white male who. What did I say? I don't know. Had free and reduced lunches was not in special education, right? right? You're looking to match the two. And so then what they did is as soon as they matched a student who played sports with a student who didn't play sports, they pulled those two students out of the sample, or yes, out of the, the total number of students they had. And so they went through and did this for all the students 
who um, who played sports. And so for every student who played sports, there was a student who didn't play sports that they matched together. And they created, statistically, you create what's called a propensity score. And so what they then are looking at are, so then they have those two groups, mm -hmm. that equal number of students in each group. So equal number of students within each school, within each group. And then they look, do those two groups match each other? Because in randomized controlled trials, the idea is that because you're randomizing people to either the treatment, the intervention that you're looking at, or the control, so no treatment, because you're doing that randomly, you would, um, you would expect to find that those two groups would mirror each other. Right. Because it's random. And so in the propensity score matching, what they did, and I think it was table two, no, excuse me, table three, if you're really interested, um, was to see, okay, after we did our matching, do these two groups mirror each other? And what's interesting is even though they did this matching, the two groups don't really mirror each other, which I found interesting, which would be, we could have a whole other conversation about it. Um, and they do something later to like check this and make sure that they're not inflating their numbers. Anyway, so you use this, this mat, this score that you have, and then you use that to run your regression, um, which is your fancy equation um, that looks to find, that looks to then predict the effect that um, these different factors, um, or looks to find the effect that uh, sport participation has on um, academic achievement measured by GPA, family support, teacher and community support, and school safety. Okay, we are done my hopefully short but kind of long statistical explanation as to what happens it was shorter than i study. thought it would be i'll be honest <laughs> ouch ouch I, it's not it's not that you're thorough or it's not that um you just like to talk but you're thorough does that do, does it make more sense it does make more sense i also now think it's really weird that the groups didn't match up better like i feel like someone got a school and like didn't do their matching properly <laughs> Right. Well, I mean, and so to me, what this says to me that the fact that even after their propensity score matching, the groups still didn't. And, and so what you can see is there is a statistically significant difference between the two groups, which is what um, the one, two, three, four, fifth column, the p-value column is showing you in table three. Anyway, no one else is going to be looking up this paper. It's fine. Um but to me, what that says is that there's another variable. There's something else that's affecting the difference between these two groups that is probably not um, participation in sports. And so that's what it's telling me, that there's something else that is different that's happening. And they talk about that later in the paper toward the end, that there's something else that's probably happening that is making these two groups different. Um, that is in addition or is completely unrelated to their participation in sports. Do you want your p-value to be high or low? Sorry, I have so many sub-questions. Um, you want it to be low. So um, in most research, less than 0, uh, 0 0.05 is considered statistically significant. Gotcha. And what that's telling you is that there is a less than 5% chance that the results that you um, received are due to chance. 
Gotcha. So it looks like their biggest issue was age, which is interesting since this is all seniors. No, no, age are the, is the thing. So we, so in this case, we want them to not be statistically significant. Oh. Because if it's, if um, it's statistically significant, that means the two groups are different. I see. Okay. I'm back yes. backwards. Okay. I'll learn. Okay. Enough. Let's, let's analyze and give some advice. Yes. Okay. So I'll tell you the results. Um, so the results of this paper, the results of this very complex, and again, that is kind of the novel thing about this paper, is the use of propensity score matching to do this analysis. And so they talk a lot about that, which is where I was like, oh, this is fascinating. This is taking me back to my causal inference class in political science. Anyway, it was, it was quite an enjoyable journey back in time for me. <laughs> but um, what they found is that... Um, uh, that school sports um, uh, affects 4% variation in GPA. And so 4% for, for, so in, in the variation of GPA within this group is um, correlated with, I, I don't think, the, and they talk about that it, it's, this is not causal. So right, the, the, the whole point of all this is to approach causality but this does not mean that participation, that if you participate in school sports, that your GPA is going to be 4% higher than if you didn't participate. This is not a causal relationship. It is a strong correlation relationship that they found using a very complex statistical method. And then, so for GPA, it was 4%. For family support, 3%. So 3% uh, of the variance in family support is caused by participation or excuse me not caused by i just said that is related to um uh, participation in school sports um community and teacher support again four percent of the variation is related to participation in school sports and two percent of uh, perceived school safety uh is related to participation in school sports so i mean it was very it was very difficult for me to read because I think some of the factors that mattered so much and that they were looking for um, revolved a lot around not only like parental acceptance, which I think may change outside of Minnesota and will vary a lot by states, but the support of the community. And that's really where a lot of my thoughts come in on this. Um, that I mean, the academic thing is one one part, but I don't. I think that it's the smallest part for me. So, if you feel like you are in a safe place, school, and you are supported by not only your peers but those who are in charge, so your your uh, other kids in your grade, and then you know your coaches and even the community, you're going to perform well. So I I don't think that the I don't think the focus, like the title focus is on academic achievement. I think it's the wrong focus because I think you can get academic achievement if you meet those other needs for students. And so I got really caught up in how then can we meet these needs for students who don't play sports? And it became a big focus for me as I was reading it um, because like you may think it's insignificant to say like that they had community support, but like in my hometown, I'll use my wife as an example. Everyone know who, knew who the football players were. So if the football players were out shopping at the local supermarket with their parents and f 
five or 10 people stop and say, hey, I saw you play on Friday. I know that you're a senior. What are your plans for the future? Where, you know, what are you going to do? And it's not just like, where are you going to college? But it's a real interest in your life. You react to that, especially as a minor. And they were talking about how this like, then builds on how they had relationships later in their life. And it's like, well, of course, like, whereas if you don't play any sports, and in my town, especially if you didn't play football, no one was asking you except for like, maybe your your uncle. And it's just not the same as a stranger asking you. So I got really caught up in, that's great that you found that, but how do we recreate that outside of focusing on sports? Yeah, and I think for me, so I did play, you know, I, I played soccer all four years of, of high school, um, but I also participated in a choir that, you know, we practiced every single day and we were together on the weekends, right? And there were, you know, 30 of us, right? And so it's like, okay, like you can, you know, they talk about like structure and encouragement and like the things that the sports provide to the students. But then I was like, okay, but what about, you know, drama, right? Like a musical, right? Like with the main core cast plus all the like ensemble members, right? There's probably like 30, 40 kids in that, right? It's like the same type. And I would... Well, maybe not. I mean, I would almost argue that, you know, participating in a musical is just as structured, if not more structured, than, like, some sports, right? And they did talk about, uh, towards the end, they talked about, like, well, future research should look at, like, the differences between, you know, like you're saying, like, playing football versus, you know, a sport that maybe is less popular, like I don't know. All I could think of was tennis. That's fair. I <laughs> mean, like, there's not, there's not a lot of people on the tennis team anyway, but... Um, yeah. Yeah. So it, it really made me question, how do we build in these structural supports? How do we change high school? Which people have talked about all the time. Like we should be starting later in the day. Uh, there's the possibility that students should be going all year round, like just for the general better, there are ways to get better results. But if we brought into that, um, how can we incorporate the kind of support so that you feel comfortable talking to another adult or there's a number of adults who feel comfortable saying hey I've noticed this last week that you've been kind of quiet or you like it doesn't have to be on the football field but someone would say like hey I've noticed that you haven't been performing on the football field like are you okay and like they may have said it jokingly they may have said it condescendingly because football is life in the valley but if we had that same kind of support like there's got to be adults in the wider community who are interested in having a Dungeons and Dragons game, who are interested in meeting students where they're at. So let's have extra, you know, curriculars for art students. And it's not just like they're entering into their drawings into, you know, different shows, but actually having a structure, they meet and they go over something. And there's other things for them to do. Like, we're just not meeting enough students where they are. And instead, we're expecting sports to fill that gap. And for me, this highlighted how important people think that is and how acceptable they think it is, that that's enough. That as long as you can get them involved in sports, they're going to do better on all of these things. But instead, let's say, what has sports taught us that students need? They need to interact with the community. They need to interact with their teachers. And not just teachers who are looking for homework, not just teachers who may be upset at them. 
not just teachers who don't understand them, but like teachers who are on their level and are trying to teach them something and have different expectations than you get inside the classroom. Like it's just a different experience. Um, and they need to have a peer support. So, so many of the, the things that I think students want to do, there may be smaller groups, it may only be three or four, but if you have that peer support, it, it changes how you react um, emotionally. Yeah, no, and I also think, um, and they, they talk about this a little bit in the discussion section, that, you know, student athletes are, you know, and you mentioned this, like student athletes are perceived differently by the community, but they're also perceived differently within the school. And I think, you know, I think teachers, um, at least in my high school, right, were, like, a bit more lenient with the, with the, um, athlete, the athletes and people who played, especially, like, the top athletes, right? Like, I remember my sophomore year of high school, like, my math class, the star of the basketball team was a senior that year and was in my sophomore math class because he had, like, I don't know, failed at the first time around or, like, gotten a bad grade and, like, needed to bring his grade up, like, needed to take it again to, like, get his grade up for college, right? And, you know, I ended up, like, mentoring him and whatever. And he was, like, a nice guy and everything, right? But, like, the teacher was you know, more accommodating to him than to, like, your run-of-the-mill sophomore that was in the class. And so um, I think not only is the onus on the community to provide better support, but I think the onus is also on um, teach, like, faculty and staff within the schools um, to, which I think you were saying this, right? Yeah. To, like, provide better support for other students and also to kind of acknowledge and reflect how they're favoriting um you know athletes versus you know potentially like the kids in the musical or the art students or people who aren't involved in any extracurricular activities and i think um that was something that like i don't think was captured is or discussed is what about the students who have to work because they have to work to provide for their family. That doesn't mean that they don't have a social support network, right? Like I worked, you know, all through high school and had like a really good, strong network of friends at my jobs, right? And so it's like, I I don't know. I think, I think there's, which obviously there are limitations to using a secondary data set. The kind of purpose as I took it of this paper, I guess was to answer this question Although I would argue, based on all the papers that they cited, we already knew that this right. existed. This was a confirmation but... <laughs> bias. They were, like, yelling into that echo chamber so hard. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, we want to use this fancy statistical method um, because we can and we want to try it. Um, that's not nice. I don't know these people. I don't know why they did what they did. But that's what it felt like to me. But it's... You know, I think there are just, like, so many other factors that play into this. And and you can see that, right? Like, I think it would have been, it would have been shocking, right, if what, if in their results they had found, oh, that participation in school sports 
explains 95% of the variance in GPA, then you're like, whoa, what is happening in Minnesota, right? Like, <laughs> then, like, you're like, okay, teachers are just giving these students A's, right? Um, but I don't know. I think there was just, like, so much more. Again, I haven't seen the entire Minnesota student survey to, like, see what other questions or data they had to play with. Um, but I don't know. I just... Also, ugh, boy. I could go on and on about the methods and kind of the flaws with the methods, but no one slash maybe one person may want to hear that. But anyway. Whoever you are, your- tell us on Twitter how excited you are that she went down the rabbit hole a couple of times and that it made you so happy. So we know that we made one person's day. That'd be great. Thanks. Exactly. Liz, what was your like biggest takeaway of this paper? that we are not serving students properly to ensure maximum success for the maximum number of individuals. That we are really bad, um, maybe across the world, I don't know, about finding that bell curve and what works for like the average, the, the middle of the road, and being like, all right, here we go. Let's do some tests. Like, I just, the more I see, like, my own experience, I was very lucky. Like, I was good at academics. I wasn't good at sports. I didn't do sports for nothing. You couldn't make me. Um, I wasn't running. Don't ask. But I was very good academically. And um, I was in a small town. So they're like, well, we don't have to worry about her. And I got to do whatever I wanted to. And so I just kind of... I did my thing, like, you know what I mean? Like, I wasn't, I didn't have to try really hard to succeed academically, so I knew I was probably going to make it somewhere. And that's great, and academics worked for me because I love to read, Um, but I, the more that I'm involved with my peers having children, and the more I'm involved with trying to see, like, how do these academy kids, you know, survive in in the soccer academy, and when they come over and they talk to the steel arm and they hang out with us, Um, what are they saying and like how are our players going to the schools like what kind of atmosphere does that create and what kind of feed you know feedback do they get from that you know on social media and it's really showing me that we need to do more to meet students where they are we need to meet individuals where they are like we're willing to make so many accommodations at a workplace to make sure that someone can work and be successful at work but we're not helping students to feel like they can even get to that workplace that they have options so it's like well either i'm good at sports or i'm really smart or i suck i feel like that's like those are your three options and it's we're not we're not giving them anything else like it maybe you're really bad at math so but if you're really good at i don't know civics i'm making up stuff now right like if you're really good at civics like no one is saying okay well let's put more weight on that let's see what else we can do to engage you We'll make sure you understand what you need to from math, but we're going to give you additional time to focus on what makes you happy and actually let you develop that skill. We don't do that for anybody. And it's, I don't know, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, and I think there are things, right? So like I I did not enjoy high school in 
any stretch, right? Like I was involved in extracurriculars, but I did not enjoy high school. I did not enjoy my peers. It was like not a fun time in my life. Like I did fine, right? Like, I mean, I got like A's and B's. I got one C in high school, which made me really mad because it was an art class. And I like, and it was my senior year. I'd already been accepted to college and my art teacher like had the audacity to give me a C and I was like, art is subjective. And she was like, not in this thing. And anyway, not in Minnesota girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I did not grow up in Minnesota, but anyway, but, um, but all of that to say that I think, right. Like there are other factors that predict success later in life or predict fulfillment or, you know, like, and, and I think that's what's, you know, and that's not necessarily what they were looking at here. Um, it, like, way in the future, they weren't like, okay, and then where are these students five years later, ten years later? Right. But I think it's also important to recognize um, for people involved with students in any capacity that just because someone's involved in sports or just because someone gets good grades or doesn't get good grades or whatever, or, you know, has issues, you know, social issues in high school, that doesn't mean that they're like a lost cause, right? And so I think that's another part of this that I kept, again, my own experience in high school very much affected my response to this paper, because I was like, there is hope for all the children, (laughs) like... You know, because, I mean, there were times where, like, teachers, you know, were, I think they were trying to provide, like, constructive criticism, but, like, you know, said things that were, like, very disheartening to me, and, you know, right now, I am in a PhD program, I am, you know, by all, like, external measures, like, a pretty successful human, and I still think back to those things, and I'm like, how dare that person say that, xyz right and and so i think that's where and this is what you're getting to liz like that's where like i think as adults in students especially high schoolers i think at the beginning of this paper i wrote puberty is hard um (laughs) right like we have some really great hot takes that have nothing to do with what these people are saying (laughs) right puberty is hard adolescence sucks right But, like, we as adults in these young people's lives need to support them, need to encourage them, need to provide them with with as much perspective as they will let old fogies like us give them. Right. And I think, like, I mean, you um, are going to raise a tiny human. And so you have this built-in participation and voice in this ongoing saga and on updating this and like (laughs) (laughs) what can we what a saga what a saga i have like nieces and nephews and i have i have friends who have children um so but i don't have like a direct involvement and it's for me this is reading things like this and caring about what's going on and analyzing it i just i want to find a way to be involved and find a way to talk to people and say okay like there are some factors in sports that probably help students succeed let's investigate what those things are and how can we recreate them other way other ways for um students who aren't involved in sports or okay we have seen that you know these three classes 
if you whatever they are if you've taken these three classes you're 99 percent likely to go on to some kind of secondary education that lead it doesn't have to be college can be like whatever it is but some kind of secondary education that leads to a career where you're like yeah i'm happy 70 percent of the time i don't think there are many people who say they're happy 70 percent of the time at their job so like let's perpetuate getting those classes out there like whatever they are maybe they are reading maybe they're writing and maybe they're arithmetic but maybe they're not and whatever it is, like we should be working really hard to find this. So finding a way to insert myself into that conversation is something that I want to um, just challenge myself to do. And I think I'm very lucky because with my soccer community, I'm able to talk to people about, oh, where are your kids? Or what are they doing? Or maybe being that positive influence and in how they learn how to communicate with adults who aren't their parents and who aren't their teachers who always want to know where their homework is. And someone who's just like, listen, yes, you can be a heathen over here in the steel army section however you can't do that you can't climb on this and possibly hurt yourself you can't run to the other end of the bleachers because that's not safe do you know what i mean like this is something where they don't um, they're not getting yelled at they're not being judged i'm obviously fun because i gave them a flag and i like flares like i'm the best but they're getting to have that extra interaction so it's just really trying to find a way to fit into the whole education system out from outside of it and also change it yeah i mean and i think right it takes a village right i wrote and I that think twice that's, did I you did. good job great minds great minds liz yeah. great minds so okay i think we're like at a good spot in our time we don't want these to go too long liz what are your final thoughts on this paper my final thoughts are don't be afraid to find your village and include as many people as you can in that village. Because even if some of us don't have kids, if we're involved in your life, we probably want to be involved in your kid's life to whatever extent is, you know, appropriate for how you raise your child. So, yes, get a, get yourself a village. Don't. Yes. Don't be lonely. Don't be lonely. Final uh, hot take, Laura yes. Ellen. Let's hear it. Yeah. Uh, adolescence is hard. <laughs> puberty is hard um and yeah it takes a village and there are many ways and while you know researchers can use very fancy things at the end of the day um being an athlete in high school does not predict your future and does not determine your success later in life so everyone has a has a chance there is hope for the non-sport kids and I'm proof. I am not proof, but that's okay. But you're proof that non-sports kids can, or that act, sports kids can actually be happy too. Yes. Everyone can be happy. Yeah. We just have to, we have to be better. Yeah. We have to soccer better. Soccer will fix the world for sure. For because sure. Because we're going to make it happen. Excellent. All right, Liz, I will talk to you later. Oh, I can't wait. Thank you to our host, the Beautiful Game Network. BGN covers teams across the MLS, USL Championship, and USL League One. Check out podcasts and written content at bgn.fm. You can follow us on Twitter at BGN Soccer Better. Head over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Otherwise, let us know what you think about today's show and be sure to share it with a friend. Thanks, everyone. Remember, you can always soccer better.
Thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to USL, MLS, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com.